got mail. Welcome to Talking Giants, presented by John Boy Media. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Panic. Justin, we finished our draft coverage, which means we got to get a mailbag slash voicemail episode in. It's been literally two months since we've done one. So honestly, it's kind of nice. I'm doing a summer pod, which means I'm I'm laying down on the couch, therapist style. I did that for a few a few shows last year. Fun little fact, I actually interviewed Dan Snyder laying down last year. It was like a three-week period. Anyways, Justin, how are you doing? Bobby Skinner, I'm doing absolutely fantastic. I actually am recording outside as you're laying down. You're laying down inside in Florida. I am outside currently 8 o'clock at night in Clark, New Jersey. Whoops, just gave away where I live. That's fine. Clark, New Jersey, where it's a nice crisp pool, probably like maybe 50, 60 degrees. And we're we're really laying back. We're chilling. This is the first only mailbag voicemail episode that I've had in my in my tenure of talking giants so far. So this truly is like a, a laid back, kick it back kind of episode. But it's also like one of my favorite episodes because we get to really like interact with everybody, which is really cool. Right. And it's it's one of those very few episodes where you have no news, no OTAs. It's it's a product of this uh this this damn virus that's starting to tick me off. So that is what it is. Um Hopefully we get some sort of OTAs going forward. I don't know if I could deal with the summer with no OTAs. So anyways, Justin, Justin, are you ready to get into the mail? I am 100% ready to get into the mail. Steve from Blue's Clues. Mail time. Mail time. The mail's here. Come on. Here's the mail. It never fails. It makes me want to wag my tail. When it comes, I want to wail. All right, thanks, Steve from Blue's Clues. Justin, let's get into the mail. So I think we're going to do mailbag Twitter questions first, and then we'll move into our voicemail. So first I we question we're going to go is, every other. Oh, every other. Oh, that's 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 a lot for me to that's a lot for me to keep tabs on. That you're you're expecting my brain to really work well. We can do that every other. And you let's did say that to me. You did say that to me pre-show, and I clearly just didn't listen to you. What else is new? So <laughs> let's let's start off with Twitter then. Let's start off with our mailbag on Twitter from one of your burner accounts, Bobby Skinner, Afro Skinner, and he asks if fans are allowed, and he and he spelled allowed wrong. It's like allowed, like A L O U D. Wow, let's not let's not critique spelling, especially when I'm not the greatest either. It threw me off, so I had to say it. If fans are allowed, how do you think they will they will do seating? Would you risk buying a ticket? Refund policy is pretty decent at Ticketmaster for 72 hours. Whew. Now, this is something that I have thought of, Bobby. I have thought of like my reckless brain right now is saying, I need to go to Giants football. I, I need to go. I feel like I'm saying this right now, even though this is going to be false. Football is just not the same for me unless I'm going, unless I'm just attending games. But I know that's not true. Like, I know if, if I had to watch all 16 games from home, I would, and I would be fine. But, man, this is – Afro Skinner has asked a question that I've yet to really think about in terms of just, like, personally and, like, safety-wise. But right now I'm going reckless. I'm, I'm being, like – I'm demanding the Giants. If they're only selecting, like, a few fans to go, I'm demanding that the Giants are picking my seat and my tickets, and my PSLs to go. I want to be there. So uh, I'm being very selfish right now where I want to go. So, Bobby, what, uh, what, what's your stance on this whole thing about you know going or not going and being safe, I guess? 
well, because I am a one game a year kind of guy, I also, I've never bought a ticket more than a week before the game. Um, usually it's the day, like when I went to the Dolphins game, it was literally like 12 hours before the game we bought, we bought our tickets. So, um, well, I guess John boy had two tickets and I had to buy one for my brother. So anyways, yeah, buy, I buy the tickets right before. Um, and especially if I'm going to like a late game season, now the Browns game, that ticket's going to be expensive regardless, but nonetheless, I, I buy my tickets like a week, a week in advance. That game, I probably will have to do a little earlier. So I, uh, I cover all Here's my the main question. There. Here's my main question for you, though. I mean, we are we're 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 friends now. I mean, I considered us to be friends, even though we were on different podcasts this past season. But I think we're kind of friends now. Would Would you want to go to the game with me? I have that extra ticket. But also, you have you an like, extra ticket. But no, but no, you have to be buying Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I'm going to see if John Boy can get me his tickets again. To be honest, I'd, <laughs> I would love to not have to pay for a ticket. That would be nice. But you also have to be down by the field and down I by the I used to be line. a top guy. I used to be a top guy. Like I, Well, that was actually my first time being low. No, I was low at a Jags, a Jags game. And it was just a Jags game is so miserable, especially in September. I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, if tickets are like 200 plus bucks, uh, yeah, I'm going to sit next to you, Justin. In fact, we'll probably oh, do that anyways. If anything, if anything, you'll come down to the bottom. Oh, I don't know. I, I went down to that that Washington game this past year. I mean, it was a fun game, fun and exciting game. You know, Daniel Jones, Daniel Jones walk off win, but just being down there. Also, Washington fans and Giants fans, like in DC, everybody was just nasty. I couldn't see, so I, I don't know. I'm very, I'm very particular now, Bobby. But we'll we'll talk about it. We'll talk. We'll t- we'll talk about it. We'll put it up to a vote. Well, no, we will not put it to a vote. I've lost every single talking Giants vote that we've done. <laughs> Every single well, one. Maybe try winning once, okay? Yeah, well, according to you, I don't have a lot of upside. All right, let's go to our first voicemail. Justin, Bobby, this is Brian O'Donnell, otherwise known as Pop Up Rye Guy. Hey, you guys do an awesome job. Justin, I loved your breakdown this morning of Ron Dane. And uh, I think you should stay on the number 27 for Giants from near forward. So you can pick up Rodney Hampton ahead of that. You can pick up Brandon Jacobs behind that. And if you work every number and all the latest players, go back as far as you want. But I think that would be like an awesome thing. Okay. So my one question for you guys is, have you come up with a name for your mail, for your, for your mail checks and your mailbag stuff? I, I think uh, Big Blue the Clueless or Big Blue Clues would be good. But uh, look forward to hearing more from you guys. You're doing great. Thanks. Pop up, right guy out. Okay, so I love the idea of the big blue clueless, like clueless big blues or something like that. We might just call it that. The thing is, we can't do a hashtag because people will forget to do the hashtag. So that's why I've always been to just reply to this tweet. Because like Patricia Traina does it. And like I, I asked her a question one time and like someone responded with the hashtag ask P train, which is kind of funny in itself. Because um, just think about like what a P train would be. Anyways, yeah, so I don't know about doing the hashtag for the questions, but I would maybe we could start calling this segment Big uh Big Blue Clueless or Big Blue Clues. Big Blues Clues. I think Big Big Blues Clues sounds right. Especially with Steve, we should put it to a vote. This I would not mind putting to a vote since I mean, I have emotional investment. I mean, this is this is one of our fake this is one of our favorite long-time segments. This is the longest-running segment on Talking Giants. So, of course, we have investment in it. But we should put this to a vote, and we should let the people decide. Let them vote. 
Let so them yeah. vote. And then are you going to do a Stevie Brown breakdown, number 27? Oh, that's actually that's actually a good question. That's a that's a concept I didn't really think of. How I so basically what I'm doing on social media and I'll be doing it twice a week on YouTube as well is um I'm looking at every single day. I'm going to be looking at a specific Giants player, particularly going to try to look at stats and stick it to stats rather than stories. I have some ideas for certain Giants stories that I could do over the summer, but sticking to Giants stats kind I like of alternating that, that name Giants stories you're Oh. Saying. I wanted to drop an F-bomb, but I, I did it. <laughs> Screw you. Um, but the whole idea and the whole premise is to do a Giants player Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, kind of alternating between post-90s and pre-90s. This is what I'm thinking of. And then Tuesdays, we do Team Tuesdays. So keep an eye out today uh, for the teams that I'm going to be covering or the team that I'm going to be recovering for today. But that's actually a good idea. If I can maybe – maybe I'll stick to that. Maybe I'll do that for like an entire week. I'll pick a number, and I'll do like every single uh, significant Giants player that like wore that number. Uh, maybe I'll start with uh, t- maybe I'll start with 27. I may do that next week. Just run through all the 27s very quick. Yeah, I like that. Thank you, uh, pop, Brian pop. O'Donnell. Pop, 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 Good job on the Rice and John interview, too, by uh, Pop, Pop. Yes. Yes, Giants Nation, I believe. Yep. That's the, that's the roots of this podcast. People forget this used to be Giants Nation podcasts. They don't really love us over there. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, Scott Powell has the next Twitter question mailbag. Scott Powell, shout out St. Joseph's University. We went to school together. And he asks, for offensive linemen, what is slash are the hardest, hardest habits for them to break slash kick? Do you see any of those traits in the ones that we drafted? Bobby, even though you answered the last question, I do want you to answer this question, especially with the hardest habits for an offensive lineman to break. I don't know at an NFL level, you know what I'm saying? So I'm going to say, because we've seen this, and one of our young guys in Parrot uh, needs to fix this, we see it with Nate Solder, opening up your hips too quickly. Let me try and explain that without like showing you. It's basically when you have a speed rusher, and it's when you turn, you open up your hips and you turn. Now, you sh- should do that, but you should be doing that at a very like a, a good depth. Because if you're doing that like four yards, five yards into your kick slide, then these fast uh, edge rushers are able to bend bend the corner and get to the QB in his in his like three step or five step drops. So I would say that because like the kind of stuff that like at the beginning of college high school levels, like you know keeping your feet moving in the run game. A lot of times guys just like they start like just pushing and they're not moving their feet, and you got to keep your feet going. Some guys clamp with their hands and don't push, um, and and that's something that that definitely. Um, some guys still need to work on the NFL. I don't know. I mean, you don't really lean too much in the run game in the NFL because, you know, these NFL guys will take over you. So, yeah, I, I guess I'd say opening the hips uh, too early. I was going to say actually leaning, uh, part- particularly in pass sets, but you can even see it happen sometimes in the run game. And I saw it because, I don't know, I remember watching film on Mike Remmers, and he sometimes had the tendency to lean – um, so leaning was something that came to my mind the first besides opening up the hips, because then what happens is you're not you're not moving your feet and your feet are sometimes stuck in cement. Now, you're having the observation that that doesn't that at least in the run game that may not happen at the pro level that often. But I don't know. I, I, I see it. I see it often where you have a guy that basically you'll have a or an interior defensive lineman have some sort of quick little move that, that they'll put on a guard and you'll get them caught leaning and they'll stumble and they'll look kind of funny. They'll look kind of silly. So those are two. Now, Bobby, uh, especially off of the guys that we just took uh, during this draft process, do you see any of the traits in the ones in, the, in these guys that we just drafted? Parrot, 
Parrot, he opens his hips up pretty quickly now. He was able to get away with it at UConn because of how athletic he is um, and just like and just stronger than other guys. Um, but Parrot, that's something he needs to work on. Parrot also has very wide feet, too. Wide yeah, feet. That's, that's good, though, for the most part. Yeah, yeah. All right. Next voicemail is from Carlos, our main man, Carlos. Day one. All right, let's do that again. This is Carlos, Big Blue Issues. I want to say I appreciate you boys. And my question is, where are we going to meet up on December 20th? Because, you know, got to get a drink with you boys. I'm going to be down there, hopefully, once this COVID thing is over. So, once again, I appreciate everything you guys do. Keep up the good work. Let's go Big Blue. All right, so I, I got to take this one. Carlo has Carlos has the same habit as me because Carlos is also from Florida. As we say, everything is down there when, you know, New York is up there. So, you know, I have that same issue because he's talking about the Cleveland Browns weekend. We will have to do something uh, besides on game day because last year, last year was such a mess for me. It was so frustrating. I mean, if you weren't listening to us last year when I made my New York trip, I went up there for the Miami game. We stayed and I went with my two brothers. We stayed in the Bronx, which is a whole decision because there's nothing to do in the Bronx except for walk around and mean mug people. And people, we were we were having to mean mug everybody because we stayed like right in the middle of the hood, which is like okay, but it's like we, people didn't know who we are, and there's three big white boys, so it was like we were mean mugging everybody, just ready to fight. And then we went to New York City, had no idea what we were doing. I mean, we walked like 12 plus miles. We didn't remember where we parked our car. We spent an hour and a half looking for our, our, our the parking garage. I mean, we checked every single parking garage in the city, basically. Didn't know how to use the subway. It was a, it was a, a total wreck. And then showed up to the game, like, not as early as we wanted to. So, basically, what I'm saying is it was super disorganized. And this year, we're I'm going to be more organized. So, we're either going to meet up in one of two places. Now, I know the one that is guaranteed is k-12 parking lot k-12 i'm there every single game so if you're going to a giants game and you want to meet up uh, i can't always promise that i'm going to have a lot of food <laughs> but i usually try to whenever i mean andrew owens can tell you ron effect from youtube can tell you nikki snacks can tell you those are guys that have come around to the tailgates before and i've always given food i've always given drinks and stuff like that we always have a good time i don't have the biggest tailgate because it's just you know me and my dodge avenger showing up to the game so i don't have the the biggest setup but definitely one spot is k-12 or another spot is where we went last year now bobby i don't know if you want to disclose where we went we probably have disclosed it i don't know the the location it's just toe for pete's it's toe for there pete. you go it's my guy i don't for pete no offense to the listeners i'd rather just hang out with toe for pete but because we're nice people we're gonna try and do some type of group event now i don't want to put up some like huge talking giants tailgate party i think it's gonna be more like hey come by if you want we're not gonna do be doing like some huge event I th- a lot of people try to do that it just basically what we're gonna do is we'll set up somewhere and and then we'll be like hey come by like it's not gonna be an event it's like come by say hi you know we'll probably be cooking having a couple beers and all that good stuff so it'll it'll be fun basically is what i'm saying there you go there you go and I'll be tailgating whole, whole, for the whole year, God willing, that we actually are going to football games this year. All right. Gazman. Gazman Superstar. Superstar. Gaza. <laughs> 
He asked if either or both teams are still in the hunt. Another Browns question. Will that game against the Browns be moved to Sunday Night Football? Surely they wouldn't miss a chance to show how silly they think Gettleman is for trading him. Oh, and F. Baker Mayfield, which you love that final little tidbit there. Bobby Skinner. I was supposed to do research for this question. I'm doing it right now. I'm looking at the schedule for that week. Is it week 15? Ooh, yes, because it is the second week in December. All right, so my initial question would be yes, is just because it is such like a, you know, that's a matchup. Right now, the current Sunday night game for that is 49ers-Cowboys. Oh. It's hard to move the Cowboys off prime time. They get enough. They get enough. Pr- I, I'm really sick and tired You know tired what they'll do is they'll put it, they'll put it, they'll change it to the 430 game. Because the 430 games that week are Eagles-Cardinals, Chiefs-Saints. That's another one. And <laughs> it's, it's tough to move those two. Yeah. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I hope so. I hope it's a primetime game. Or maybe actually no, it I all... want it to be during the day, honestly. Yeah, I kind of want it to be <laughs> during the day too. It's going to be really be based on like the nature and the circumstances. If there there is a chance where you have like the Cardinals that don't take a jump up and the Eagles absolutely stink this year. So maybe they bump that game back. You said Eagles Cardinals playing? Yeah, Eagles Cardinals and um Chiefs Saints. Hey, so there's a chance that especially those two teams, the Cardinals and the Eagles. Maybe Drew Brees will get hurt and um and it won't be an interesting game. Jeez. Morbid. Oh wow. All right. Um we, we get to are... see play. That'll be fun. That <laughs> would be fun. Gosh, Jameis Jameis actually didn't have a bad game against us. He kind of tore us up. But anyway, we have a question from Todd about the centers and Bobby Skinner, just all the all the topics that get you excited. Baker Mayfield, it just, just oh, oh I, I'm so jealous of you right now. I guess I have a statement and a question. A question is, since we really bolstered the offensive line, thankfully, finally, in this offseason, with the draft picks, with the three draft picks, who do you think is the best option for center? Do you think it's going to be Spencer Pulley, the veteran who's got pelts on the wall as far as starts? Do you think it's Jalapio, do you think he's going to make it back for that Achilles? Would you say Shane Lemieux, can he make that adjustment? I know he's taken snaps before in college. Or Nick Gates, he's a wild card, I know. That's uh, certainly out there as far as in the conversation. Uh, I guess I'll leave you with one and uh, look forward to the response, hopefully. Uh, thank you, and this is Todd. I'm a big fan of what you guys do, and uh, go Big Blue. Take care. Thank you, Todd. Uh, I'm still on Nick Gates for Center 2020 train because I'm not. I I am so down on Pulley. I know some people like him. I'm just the guy got one chance last year and he totally squandered it against the Jets. I mean, he that game was worse than any Halapio game all year long. Um, and then Lemieux, I don't think he's going to be ready yet. Lemieux has things to work on, and then also doing a position change. I just don't see it being ready week one. Uh, and I do think there's something to say. I think there's something to be said about Parrot being drafted in the third round that they do want to let some of these guys like sit a little bit. Now, if he comes out and balls out, then you just play him. But Nick Gates, Nick Gates was a really good when he got his chance. He played guard and tackle last year. He practiced snaps at center, and not only was he just like good and like did his job physically, he was very like smart, like able to like pick up stunts stuff like that, which is something the Giants' offensive line struggled with mightily. So I'm still on the Gates thing. I, the only thing that people say, like, have a knock against him is, oh, his height, which I just, I don't know. I don't buy into the there's guys that are too tall for center. I think it's just tall guys usually find their way at guard or tackle. 
Cam Irving played play. He was like says six foot six center. wasn't very good, but nonetheless. Yeah, I'm either in in the mindset of Pulley or Gates. Lemieux, after watching a lot more Lemieux, and after watching particularly some of the your breakdown stuff that you did on YouTube with Anthony Bobby, I saw Lemieux moving very well in space. Loved him in space. Now you're not necessarily doing that a ton at center, so I agree. You know, take take the year, develop big guy. And he's going to be awesome. I think he's going to be awesome wherever he goes for for this team in the future. But and where I am with Pulley, if there was a time to play him last year, it was when Jalapio was struggling, and it's when this line was kind of struggling, and he didn't really get that consistent opportunity, and he didn't really do well with it to begin with. Like you said, in his one opportunity. So if there was an opportunity for him to play last year, which you can argue that there was because Jalapio was struggling, the coaching staff chose not to give it to him. And regardless of what you think of that Shermer coaching staff and some of the decisions like they made on the defensive side of the ball just to sit love all season, you have to trust that whatever they're seeing, they thought the Jalapia was the best guy for the entirety of that season last year. So that, so that should say something. Now, Gates, again, I don't really get the whole height argument. I don't, I don't really get that. I understand you have interior guys that are a lot smaller, but if Gates is a smart guy, if Gates is a guy that has good footwork, and if he's smart, which those are things that we've struggled with, particularly the smarts, particularly we aren't fully able to see what Jalapio's doing and how he's calling things at the line of scrimmage, but I think it's very uh, safe to say that the Giants have struggled with somebody who's been able to call out protections and things at the line of scrimmage. So if Gates can do that, and if Gates is a smart player and the organization has kind of gone out of their way to say, you know, don't forget about this guy playing wherever we may need him, including center. They've gone out of their way to say it, so you should believe it. You should 100% believe it. This isn't just a talking Giants being biased because Bobby likes Nick Gates. It's it's a legitimate thing. Beat reporters have asked about it, and Dave Gettleman has answered it. Well, think about it this way. John Halapio is coming back. He's a part of the Giants roster. He will be back. So you have John Halapio and Spencer Pulley. Why would they be wasting Nick Gates' like talk at center or reps at center if if you have those two guys and it's going to be one of those two guys. Yeah. And why sign Cam Fleming too, you know? Yeah. And there's, and there is a such thing as camp. Like camp, I'm not saying there's no such thing as camp battles, but you kind you going into camp. You have an idea of who's going to play. Now guys can take over battles, but you have an idea of where guys are going to play. People don't come out of nowhere is what I'm saying. Um, and even that, like hopefully with judges a little more progressive, but like with Shermer and Betcher, they were very, very slow to give guys chances. So maybe that is affecting my thoughts on it too. Because like when Connolly came and started last year after the Dallas game, I was like, cool, Connolly's starting. Tay Davis should be next to him instead of Alec Ogletree. And I was all over that. And then obviously, you know, injuries happen and whatnot. But Tay Davis, like that Dallas game week one, he was the only one of the only players on that defense where I was like, hey, he did his he did his job that game. Like he, you can't really be mad at how he played. So, I don't know what I'm, what kind of point I'm making. I've totally lost control. I just wanted <laughs> to give take Tay Davis some credit. There you go, Tay Davis credit. But no, I think you were kind of responding to my point of we're not in the building, so we don't fully know when coaches feel comfortable pulling the trigger in, in terms of benching one guy and starting another guy. I think that's what you were kind of responding to with saying that Shermer's coaching staff was bad at doing that, which I understand. But also at the same time, I will kind of just – put this nudge and reminder of, yeah, we weren't in the building, so we don't technically know, yet Tay Davis and Julian Love sitting on the bench for you know three quarters of the season. It does make you upset. But Pat Shermer's not here. Hopefully Joe Judge won't do that. Next, this is really a question, 
But the real Frank the Tank had something just very nice to say, which he always he always gives us such nice compliments, and we love him back. Guys, I don't really have a question, but I wanted to say thanks for all the hard work you put in the pre-draft and post-draft analysis. It was awesome, and yes, I am one of those psychos that listen to every episode. Love it. Can't get enough info about the new guys. Frank the Tank and everybody who has kind of given us support um, through some messages and also just through these voicemails too. You know, I, I think... Uh, you know, you'll you'll hear as we play more voicemails that people have just kind of given us credit while asking their questions towards the end. And it means so much. Uh, we're doing it because of you. We're doing it because of the community, and we're doing it to talk giants. So you know, again, just just thank you, thank you, thank you. We're doing it to get this money too. Um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's obviously the draft a lot of fun. Um, it's one of those things where I look forward to it like crazy. We go in depth like crazy. But I will say, the last three days of not having to watch film, like I'm a scheme guy more than I am a player guy. So the last three days of like like not having to like grind through you know four or five players a day, it's a uh, it's been a nice little break. You know, it was it was nice for this episode. That's like you know what I'm going to read through the voicemail or I'm going to go through the voicemails, read through the mailback, and then I'm ready. Not having to do hours upon hours of preparation <laughs> for a podcast. So it's it's nice to do this, and we are uh, we're still doing stuff. I already, I already started watching some Patrick Graham film today, so it's gonna be yeah. fun. So basically, thank you. Thank you, Frank the Tank, and thank you, everyone else. All right, Patty Mack has some questions about some of our edge rushers. Patty Mack is another friend of the show. Talking Giants, this is Patty Mack out here in Carolina. And uh, before I get to my question, i got to give you guys big props for your draft coverage this year. Y'all definitely put in work and can't shit. And uh, that goes for both Anthony and Danny as well. I appreciate all you guys did for the draft this year. And, uh, Bobby, also shout out to your new show, Talking Sports, with Jake and Keith. I uh, like what you guys got going on so far, and I'm looking forward to seeing how that progresses when sports Subscribe. actually are happening. Um, but anyways, on to my question. Still no Marcus Golden on the roster. We aren't sure if that will even happen. So my question for you two is, between Jimenez and Lorenzo Carter, who do you see as more likely to make a big jump in 2020? Um, thanks, guys, and keep up the great work. Can I tackle this, Bobby Skinner? Tackle it. All right. So uh, everybody, I feel like everybody and their mother has already did the, oh, O'Shane Eximenez has had 45% of the defensive snaps, but he's had 12 total pressures and uh, three QB knockdowns and four and a half sacks, blah, blah, blah. I feel like everybody's already done that. But you know what? I'll do it. I'll, I'll, I'll go into the peer pressure, but just know that when I say this, I recognize that I'm not the first one to discover this on Pro Football Reference, but I will give myself credit. I usually am the first one to discover a lot of things on Pro Football Reference. But anyway, Oshane Eximenez. Yeah, 45% of the snaps and what is most impressive, I think, in my opinion, was his 12 pressures. So a guy like uh, Marcus Golden, who I believe had uh, 44 pressures last year, Marcus Golden's snap share was 83% last year. And then, like I said, compare that to O'Shane's, it's 45%. O'Shane had 12 pressures, and I believe Marcus Golden had some 44. So if you put O'Shane Eximen as a snap count around uh, Marcus Golden's, it's a, it's slightly over 20. That's not a bad season. And if he sees 90% of the snaps, which is insane, then, of course, he it winds up in 24 pressures and 9 sacks, which is a pretty darn good year. So... I know we had the same argument with Lorenzo Carter a little bit too, where it's like, oh, if you take his final four games and if you multiply it by 16, I'm, I'm even going to do it with Leonard Williams a little bit later in the, in the podcast too. Oh but boy. yeah, we're, we have, we have some Leonard Williams talk uh, and everybody knows how much I like to talk about him, but I want to say O'Shane simply because he, he showed us sneaky production last year in nearly half of his snaps. 
So I'm going with O'Shane. He's also just fresher on our brains and hasn't disappointed us as much yet as Lorenzo Carter has. O'Shane's a better pure edge rusher, basically. So I'm I'm going Zimenez as well. Carter, I I said it last year. I said, guys, don't don't put too much on to this kid because I don't like I don't see him being like a dominant force. Now I thought he would be better than what he was, but yeah. So um, Carter, it's it's I want to see it and. I'm not sure how Carter exactly fits into this defensive system. We don't know exactly how we're going to use him. I know there's been some 3-3-5 talk. I haven't bought into that yet, uh, but we'll see. So, yeah, I, I think the easy one would be Zimenez, especially with no Golden on the team. He's probably like – he has the potential to be the best just pure speed rusher. Yeah, Lorenzo Carter on 65% of his snaps this year had 23 pressures. Um Eight missed tackles. You know what's funny? He didn't miss a single tackle his rookie year, but he had eight missed tackles this year. So, I mean, hey, I, I agree. I mean, even just, like, ignoring ignoring the numbers for, his, for a second, O'Shane Ximenez is just a much better pure edge rusher than Lorenzo Carter. And that's not to say that Lorenzo Carter's a bad football player. I think this is just another challenge that this coaching staff has is to find where can a guy like this fit because he is a versatile player and he does have some skills and he does and he, and he can play fo- he can play football a little bit, Bobby. So it's another fun conversation that we'll have to have in camp in terms of where are these guys going to line up. The guy plays football. Guy plays football. Um, all right, back to Twitter. Uh, Rohan, speaking of where the hell is everybody going to go, Rohan asks, really interested to see what the deal is going to be with McKinney and Peppers. I sort of see McKinney playing deep half. Hold on, 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 hold on. Are you not reading the ads? I'm not reading the ads. No, I'm just reading the You need to read the ads. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Unforgivable. All right. Unforgivable. Well, you know what's funny? Everybody who's... Everybody who has left a question has like left their name, right? I haven't had to read their Twitter handles. Yeah, so, but I want, I want, I want our listeners to follow the people that leave questions. Rohan at Rohan Sanghani four, the number four, and he asks, really interested, really interested to see what the deal is going to be with McKinney and Peppers. I sort of see McKinney playing the deep half in a cover two with Peppers as the lurking robber underneath. But then, where would Love fit into all of that? I guess it's a good problem. Thoughts? Question mark. Bobby Skinner. So, you know, we talked about this after the McKinney draft pick, and this is what makes me not, like, jump through the roof for McKinney because I don't know how we use him. Now, obviously, I'm not the defensive coordinator, so I, I'm not going to be the one to stress over that. And that's something we're trying to figure out with what Patrick Graham did last year. It's going to be – I think it's going to be a lot of too high safety looks. I think what Rohan's saying is kind of spot on. Is it's gonna, He's going to be a split safety. There's no way – there's just no way he's going to be a center fielder. I don't. I feel like that would not. That just doesn't fit what he does well. And with Love, the more I think about, it, the more I think Love at nickel. Like, because if if you don't put Love at nickel, who are you? Who are you? You're trusting Darnay Holmes already. That's not a you know recipe for success. You putting Beal or Ballantyne back in there. As much as I like Ballantyne, I think it's he's better suited outside. So the more I think about Love, I think he ends up in the as the slot corner. And then I think. We're going to use that versatility to move guys around, have McKinney come down, have Peppers come down. And Peppers, people, because he played in the box, Peppers can play free safety, and he has range, and he's got speed. So, like, don't underestimate Peppers. Like, maybe like Pepper, maybe we do play deep safety, and we just have Peppers in that role. So, uh, And I wish we would have done that more last year with Bethea, with Bethea in the box and Peppers deep. And Bethea, when he actually played in the box, which was very rare, actually made some plays. 
you know, that Monday Night Football Dallas game, he had some box reps and he had the interception, the opening drive. He had a couple other plays. So I don't know. Uh, basically, that's the, a long answer of I don't know. Yeah, that's really where we are. We're at an I don't know right now. And like Rohan said, he asked if it's a good problem. 100% it's a good problem to have. You know, I put the McKinney metaphor of drafting McKinney, every rose has its thorn. The rose is that he can do a lot of different things, but the thorn is that you just didn't get your solely, uh, you know, your your solely free safety that you were kind of looking for when you when you entered into this draft process. Now, I trust, you know, Anthony Tomano and yours observation that you can kind of play Peppers at like this single high safety, maybe not single high safety, but you can play him in this free safety role, especially in a cover two where you're covering half the field. But part of what makes me worried, Bobby, and this may even require looking at how the Browns used Jabril Peppers back in like 2017. They did both. Yeah, when Peppers was drafted and, you know, leading up to his third year in Cleveland, so I believe his 2018 season was his best year the year before he was traded. But leading up to that, they had him playing in so many different places, so many different places to the point where I think it kind of caused him, it kind of caused his play to go down a little bit. And I compare this to 2018, but especially 2019, the Giants kind of settled, settled him into this role. Now, the strong safety role is versatile within itself because if, you know, you can play back, but you can play closer to the line of scrimmage, you can play in the box, et cetera, et cetera. So the role being a strong safety is versatile enough. I'm just afraid because I'm thinking back to Jabril Peppers' Cleveland days where they did throw him here, throw him there, throw him over there. And he wasn't as good as a football player as he was compared to 18 and 19. Now, he's probably grown since then. So we shall see. But I just throw that little tidbit and I throw that little nugget in there um, to say, you know, we're, 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 we're thinking of Peppers as a possible free safety. We may have to put the brakes on that. But who knows? Who knows? He's probably He is a better player than he was a couple years ago. Kyle Markway just got offered a scholarship to LSU. Or his brother, Mac Markway. Just letting you know, wanted to let you guys know that. Um, is that breaking? Are we breaking news? I mean, he broke it. No, oh. you know Mar- the Markway family is a friend of the show, so yeah, it's it's hopefully they don't have them all sit in one position. Is basically like that would be what's what's things if we just like Peppers ball or like we like like we did last year where Peppers is in the box, Bethea's deep center, and and that's how we play every single friggin' rep of the season. Yeah, if that's their intention, then they should have taken a guy like Winfield. Exactly. Yeah. So we have two voicemails back to back. Now, Bobby, I'm going to be breaking the I'm going to be breaking the rules. I'm going to play these voicemails back to back, but they're so similar that I'm going to. So are are you okay with that? Go for it, Johnny. Okay. first one is from Greg. Hey, this is Greg. Uh, I've come to enjoy the show. Um, Listens a lot while uh, working lately. Uh, My one question is this. what do you think the minimum requirement is from this team for Dave Gettleman to keep his job after this season? Thanks, guys. All right, so that's our first Dave Gettleman job security question, and then this is our second Dave Gettleman job security question. I hope you guys are doing well. My question is how do you think Dave Gettleman's um, season will be judged? Do you think it's more he has to win a certain amount of games? Do you think we need to see certain progress from players such as um, Jones and Hernandez and Lawrence and Andrew 
Andrew Thomas and the whole draft class this year? Um, do you think it, the cap has to be in a good spot? What do you think he has to do to keep his job? Um, thank you. I don't think it's a number of wins and losses. I think after the, when the season's over, I think we have to be excited about the offense. Because like like we said, you have Jones, you have year two. He has to he has to, you know, one, he needs to clean up the fumbles a little more, which you know the offensive line improvement should help with. You gotta get her yeah, Hernandez needs to improve. The center position needs to have some kind of clarity or or at least better than it was last year. Saquon needs to be more consistent. I obviously I know injuries were involved with that. And this wide receiver core, like you kind of gotta keep them healthy. Like Ingram could be a big catalyst for this. So you know, if this if this offense is relatively healthy, obviously you can't you're not going to get all guys healthy for all sixteen. But I think you have to be excited about the offense. Is basically what I'm saying. And then on the defense, just like the like Bradbury and Blake Martinez can't be like huge. They can't be bad. You know what I'm saying? Like if 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 we talk about Blake Martinez like the way we do Ogletree or James Bradbury has like some really bad games because those are his recent free agent additions then there's an issue. So basically what I basically the offense needs to be something we be excited about and those two free agents have to be like leaders of the defense. Dave Gunnelman and John Mara have talked about together Dave Gunnelman's batting average. This could be when it comes to the draft, this could be when it comes to free agency, especially when it comes to free agency, but Dave Gunnelman needs to improve his batting average in terms of players that he hits on. We need to see some of these players on the defensive side of the ball take that jump. Take that jump, the guys that we took back in 2018. He overall just needs to show that he is improving his batting average in terms of how he's evaluating players and who is going to step up. You know, kind of let's let's put this in a cliche sports radio sports radio segment. Who is going to step up for the New York football giants in 2020? That is what we need to see because nobody really has. Saqu- I mean, you can say Saquon Barkley showed up and he stepped up in 2018. He was got to put a team on his back, but he unfortunately didn't have much quarterback play, didn't have much offensive line play, and of course the defense was was what it was in 2018 as well. 2019, nobody really stepped up. <laughs> nobody really stepped up, and especially second year where we're looking at the offensive line. That still wasn't fixed. We think it's fixed this year. Is that line going to be fixed? Bobby said, are we excited about the offense? I think that was a great way to put it. But basically, can Dave Gettleman improve his batting average? And if we can say yes by the end of this season with some of these guys that he's invested high high capital draft picks in and also a lot of money in free agency, if he can do that, then he's definitely staying. I don't think it's off of a win-loss thing because unfortunately, Bobby, I think it would be under normal circumstances, and this is why, again, training camp, training camp, training camp, under normal circumstances, I think we kind of would judge this team on wins and losses, maybe, but because of the circumstances and because you know these teams are already not even getting in-person practice time and the Giants are behind the eight ball and basically any team that has a new head coach, they're behind the eight ball compared to teams that have that continuity. So not, unfortunately, not really sure if we're judging wins and losses, if we're judging this Giants team by wins and losses for this 2020 season. But has Dave Gunnelman proved his batting average? Also, just don't have a huge losing streak either. Like, I don't have a nine-game <laughs> losing streak. Because, And if you were around for us last year, aggravate the crap out of people, but people would have these criticisms of Shermer, and I would, like, go back and watch the film. Or, like, I remember one time they criticized his time management, and I literally played out the math if they did it the way everyone said he should. And I was like, actually, it was the right decision, and no one no one cared. They were all just mad at me for, like, suggesting that maybe Shermer wasn't all at fault. 
But when we lost to the Eagles on Monday night, I was like, you know what? We lost nine games. I don't care what happens. And then I I just had – I think the week I went to New York, I had a, just a screw-up mode. Like, I don't care what happens. And <laughs> I was like, you know what, Jenkins? You know what? Preach. Preach, Janoris. That week was wild. <laughs> I think that, that was the week I just gave up on Shermer. Let's also try to make it to October and – uh, shall we ask November and have the Giants still be a relevant team? That's, we were last that's all that Green I asked. From the table. Stop. Stop. No, we were not. All right. We are on back on Twitter with William Duncan at William Duncan and why, who has a sleeping Brett Gardner as his Twitter Avi picture, which is wonderful. I love that bald headed man. He asked, what do you think BJ Hill's future is with the Giants? What do you think his future will be? I have a simple answer to this. Give me a simple answer. Uh, Dave Tollefson. What? Really? I know. So? I know you don't. I know you don't like comparing across races, but, but they're not in the same position. <laughs> but in, hear me out, though. Hear me. Out. I understand three, four, four, three. But try to just put on your thinking cap here for a second. Giants had a lot of depth at defensive end in their four-three system with Steve Spags and a twenty-even, et cetera, et cetera. The Giants also have a lot of depth in 2019 with their interior defensive lineman positions, which it is a rotating crew. So I'm basically comparing B.J. Hill to Dave Tollefson's role, where he's just going to come in whenever he needs to come in, and he's going to be uh, pretty good for a like third or fourth string guy. Do you think Dalvin Tomlinson is like close to a lock to be back in 2021? Knowing this organization and how they think of defensive tackles and nose tackles, however, you know, whatever position you want to put a Tomlinson as, you know, uh, Barry Cofield didn't extend him, Linville Joseph didn't extend him, and Jonathan Hankins didn't extend him. So, no, not a lock. BJ Hill, a guy who has talent, and we've seen that talent. You go out and get Leonard Williams, you draft Dexter Lawrence first round. For me, it seems like everything's pointing to them moving on from Dalvin. I think what they weren't betting on was that when Leonard Williams came, Dalvin Tomlinson was unlocked <laughs> and became the best defensive lineman on the team. So I don't I don't know what's going on. And I don't I don't think they were betting on that. Because you remember I remember when we traded for Leonard, I was like, all right, well let's let's trade Dalvin now. Let's get it. Let's let's go ahead and trade him now, see what we can get for him. But like I said Leonard Williams when he came, whether you want to make that correlation or not, Dalvin Tomlinson like went up a level as a football player. So I don't know what they're doing with him until he's such a good football player. <laughs> he really showed it this year. So it'll be another punch in the gut. I mean, Lin- let's face it. Like was losing Linville Joseph, like the punch in the gut, like, like the giants losing Vince Lombardi, like in the fifties and the sixties. No, <laughs> was it that big? Pu- Jonathan was Jonathan Hankins that big of a punch in the gut losing him. No, same thing with Barry Cofield, but I don't know. Just he's a really good football player. And with the cap space that we have, and I guess the main difference between losing those guys and losing uh, Dalvin Tomlinson is I believe Eli Manning was under like a veteran, like a second, third contract under all of those guys. So the quarterback was taking up a lot of space this time around. The quarterback won't be taking up a lot of space and maybe they can lock up Dalvin Tomlinson to like a three year deal. So maybe he's expiring his second contract when Daniel Jones's contract is up. Maybe. Yeah, I don't, I don't know, because I, I would like to see B.J. Hill play, but with those three guys ahead of him, there's not really, you know, there's not a lot of opportunities for the guy to get, you know, get reps. Right. 
All right, we're back on the voicemails, and this one is from Chris, who is asking us to jump on a Twitter Giants trend, or a Giants Twitter, or a Giants Twitter trend. I said that right. Hey guys, it's uh, Nickelodeon or Aquadog, one of the two. I can't remember what my Twitter handle is right now. Um, big fan of the show. I found you guys um, from uh, your draft coverage. Um, joined one of the Periscopes on Twitter and uh, started listening. Really like the work you guys do. Um, I'm seeing this trend on Twitter uh, talking about best player, Kino edition, could surprise, takes a leap, prove it year. Uh, I'm most excited to watch um, different players ranked. Uh was curious to see uh, your guys' uh, opinion on who you think on the Giants is most overrated, most underrated, the best player, best new addition, could surprise, and takes a leap and the prove it year. Um, like I said, again, big fan of the show, guys. Keep up the great work, and uh, I'm looking forward to tonight's episode. Go Giants. All right, so thank you. And that's pretty cool that the guy found us through Periscope. I didn't know people did that. Yeah, By the way, yeah, Justin. Well, this, uh, well, well, I have to give a little preface and a little shout-out. Chris, I, I'm sorry if you don't want your name said on the podcast, but Chris, yeah, he actually found us through the 13 hours that we spent uh, live streaming through Draft Weekend, <laughs> and, he left, uh, and he left us a nice voicemail. So go ahead, Bob. Um, Friday night, I was very bored, and I downloaded the Periscope app for the draft to do our like our group thing or whatever. So I just started going into random periscopes throughout the country, and boy, man, I found some funny stuff. I kept on asking them to like talk about the NBA playoffs, and no, like <laughs> none of them like basketball. It was a lot of people, like girls, just were dancing, and then there was this one lady from New York. Bro, she was so funny. I, I might have the video. I got like screen recorded some of it. Let me see if I can find it real quick. But people do that to me. I mean, I, r- random people. Like it's not just you know. Your Twitter followers, random people, just click on my periscopes, and the and they what they love to say their favorite phrase is show the screen, and I want to gouge my eyes out. If she curses, edit it out. Before I pass out, because I think I'm on my six or seven beer, and I'm feeling good in the hood. But you know what? She did this Whether for I'm hours. drunk or sober, my story's real. <laughs> Ain't nobody got the balls to step to me now. They, everybody beat me up like I was an old shoe. But everybody loves me. How about that? Nobody loves me. <laughs> she goes, but everybody loves me. Nobody loves me. She was going off. I was talking to her back and forth. Oh, you were? What, what were you saying? She was just going off. I was like, I love you. Like, you're awesome. Keep, I keep doing you. She's like, You're so oh. supportive. She, she was, there are some funny ones, man. There are some weirdos. The one guy, I was like, dude, talk about the NBA playoffs. And it was just me and him in there. He's like, no, I do not like to talk about the playoffs. And then I will say was very mean. There was a Chinese guy. And then these other people, I won't say their ethnicity because that doesn't matter. They just started yelling at him like, why do you have to eat bat? Why do you have to eat bat? Oh, and no. I was actually really bothered by that. So anyways, what was the question? All right. So basically, we're jumping on this Giants Twitter trend of saying the Giants player that's most overrated, most underrated, best okay. player. So I'll 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 give you the, the names I have and the, the categories in, as we go. I have go. a list in front of me. Oh, you do? Okay. So most overrated. Most overrated. Go. Um, Golden Tate. David Mayo. Boy, mm. Golden Tate's good. Most underrated. 
I'll say Dalvin Tomlinson. Sure. You know what? I'm changing it. Leonard Williams. <laughs> I like it. Uh, I'll go Jabril Peppers. People don't talk about how good he was last year. Jabril Peppers. Yeah, that, is, that is true. Best player. Saquon? Yeah. Sure. Saquon. Key new addition. <laughs> Should we do draft? Should we include draft and key new addition? Because obviously I'm I mean, going to say every- Andrew Thomas. Yeah, everybody's saying Andrew Thomas. I'm going to say Fackerel. Uh, Brett, James Bradbury. I feel like he helps change the defense a lot. Yeah, that's true. I'm a, I'm a hypocrite for picking an edge rusher over a secondary. Could surprise. Um, could, yeah, could surprise. You going you gonna to pick one? Oh, um, uh, you know what? I'm going to say Toy Lolo. Toy I'm going Lolo. wild. Corey Ballantyne. I don't know. I don't really believe that. Takes a leap. Julian Love. Ooh, I like that one. Let's see, we got Julian Love. I'll say DeAndre Baker. Let's just go for it. And then prove it year, I'm going Lorenzo Carter. Prove it year. Everybody says Evan Ingram. I kind of want to say Sterling Shepard because we gotta we gotta see some health, big dog. Yeah. Yeah, but he already got his there contract. Go. So I mean, this is the first year of his I new know. contract. Yeah, and I guess prove it year is you know ultimately associated with contract year, but who who knows if but, if we're not healthy this year? I mean, you, you know? can't prove being healthy. You know what I'm saying? Like Shep's good when he's playing. Like I, I don't know. And I'm changing my take a leap to Daniel Jones. Take a leap. Stop fumbling the damn ball. Boom. There you go. There you go. Um, what we have on Twitter? We have broccoli rob at broccoli rob with two b's besides barkley who is the skill position player you're most confident will take a step forward this year i'm gonna go let's see i don't know how many guys can really take like a step forward skill wise like evan ingram when he's healthy he's bald shep is shep golden tate's not gonna take a step forward at this point i guess you'd have to say darius slayton really i mean just because he's really the only candidate to to take a step forward i guess you could say Caden Smith. I'm going with Caden Smith or Corey Coleman. Yeah, I'm kind of – I'm not out on Coleman, but I'm not putting any eggs into the Coleman basket is basically what I'm saying. You know what Yeah, I'm but saying? if there's a guy that could take a leap, it's Corey Coleman. Yeah, but he could. With Coleman, and I guess we can have that conversation real quick. Last year it was like, hey, like we don't know what we're going to get from this guy, but we're putting a lot of hope in him. And then when the injury happened the first week in the camp, it's just kind of like, and then you see Slayton's oh, improvement sucks. and stuff like that. It's kind of like, all right, if he does something cool, but I have, I just have zero expectations for Coleman. Like I, I don't think he's anywhere near like a like a lock for the roster. Might not, I don't yeah. even know if he's a favorite for the roster. Yeah, maybe not, especially considering some of these undrafted free agent wide receivers we got looking pretty darn good. All right, so speaking of skill position and speaking of offenses, Victor is going to transition us pretty well. Hey, Justin, Bobby, you turned to the show. Uh, this is Victor from Pennsylvania, and I was thinking, what are you guys thoughts on the Giants offense being potential top 10 offense in the league if the O-line holds up? My thought process is they've got Daniel Jones, who could be one of the best QBs in the league, in my opinion. Not next year, but in the future. Evan Ingram, Stone Shepard, Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton. Yeah, if the offensive line holds up, if so if whoever's at right tackle isn't like abysmal and Thomas um has a good rookie season. Now I'm not expecting like Thomas to be flawless, but just has a good rookie season, which I think he's you know, I think he's very capable of. Then yeah, why not? I think the only thing to stop us would be really injuries. 
you got three wide receivers who you have trust in, and Tate, Shep, and Slayton. You got Saquon, who's you know arguably who is definitely a top three running back in the league. And then we believe Daniel Jones is going to take that leap. So if the offensive line can hold up, then there's really no excuse to not be in like that top ten area. Like even if Egan Ingram goes down, you have Caden and Torlolo. Yeah, I mean, I, ha- I have big expectations for this offense. I'm trying to temper them just for my own sanity. But yeah, I mean, if this if this offense is winning us games, like I'm not going to be blown away. Yeah, that's the whole point, right? In an offensive league, and that's part of why uh, I'm excited about what the Giants are doing because they're recognizing that it's a passing league, so they're putting the necessary, uh, not necessarily weapons, but you know they they have put the necessary weapons around Jones with Barkley, and then the receiving court is pretty good, but particularly the line. They've put the line in front of Daniel Jones, and they've recognized that this is a passing league and that Jones is going to need a little bit more time to throw the ball down the field compared to what we've had a quarterback these last few years has been check down city, check down city, and we complained about that for years which we need to some of us need to remember that but neither here nor there um what was my point here especially if you're a nerd yeah especially if you're a nerd which uh, which what i was talking about was basically nerd city right there it's a passing league i don't want to put the world the world of pressure on this offense again considering that it would be different if we were if everybody was there in person and Jason Garrett's offense was going to be implemented in person right now. I think today on Monday was like the first day where rookies, uh, the undrafted guys, plus the guys that are were drafted during the actual draft, plus the veterans, they all combined today. So yep. I think Monday was the first day where they did that virtually. So the expectation would be different if they are in person, but. Bobby, they could. They absolutely could. They need to have good tackle play. I mean, that's not a hot take, but they need to have good tackle play. We're confident in Andrew Thomas, and we're we're somewhat confident in Nate Solder at right tackle. You know, masking mm. some of his uh, masking some of his flaws over at right tackle, playing mm. next to Kevin Zeit. Mm. 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 So there you go. There you go. We are back on Twitter. We are back on Twitter going at at enter name here 33. If Leonard Williams were to have a similar statistical season, do you think Gettleman would let him walk? I don't really know about like the get let him walk thing, but I will say because I know you like beat the drum like sacks aren't the only thing and he was a good player. He needs to get sacks this year. Okay. You're getting paid to do both. He is getting paid like a player. We should be doing both. Now, I'm not saying he has to go out there and do Aaron Donald numbers, but the best guys do both. You know what I'm saying? They do it consistently. So, and Leonard Williams has done it in previous seasons. So, I know, you know, make all the one-sack jokes you want, and, you know, part of that is definitely, like, um, warranted. But Leonard Williams is ha- has been a sack getter in his career. He's been a freaking first-team all-pro player in his career. But, yeah, Leonard Williams has to eat. You can't just be taking up double teams. He needs to make plays. He needs to have tackles for a loss. He needs to have sacks. He needs to be a guy that actually does put stuff down on the stat line. Leonard Williams on a 16-game pace with the Giants in 2019, and you know what I'm about to say if you're a follower on Twitter. Williams' numbers, Leonard Williams' numbers on a 16-game pace with the New York Football Giants in 2019 in every category, every major category for a pass rusher, except sacks, he was better than Yannick Ngakwe. Now... Williams played eight games, so here we go, Bobby Skinner. You're you're the fan of 16-game rates. Well, it's a little bit of a stretch. It's a little bit of a leap to make an eight-game rate half a season then multiply that basically by two. But Leonard Williams put up very good numbers besides sacks in all those major categories, like hurries, knockdowns, pressures. His tackles for loss. That's, uh, you know what? I didn't write that down. You know what? That's I'm a, I'm, I'm a bad guy, and I'm going to look that up right now. Leonard Williams' tackle for loss. In 2019, 
was uh, two, which is no good. And the, but yeah, they were both really in the Giants, good. so he would have had. So he would have had four. Still not very good. <laughs> yeah, he's got to get. He's got to get. He's got to put stats down in those two categories for me. But he's good, and, I, and I'm predicting that he will. You put him in the, I, I in the same too. situation. He will. You, you put him in the same situation for 16 games. Now, obviously, it's a different system, but hopefully, you know, you have Graham that's utilizing, you know, whatever Betcher did to to make both Tomlinson and Williams work really well together, along with Lawrence. Um, you know, go, you know, throw Golden in there too. Let's presume he's a giant. Whatever Betcher did to make those three guys work, uh, hopefully Graham can do it again. So there you go. We have a voicemail on Daniel Jones. Yeah, I just wanted to get a touch on um, a little something. I wanted to know your thoughts. Not really a question, but the narrative um, that people hang on on certain players, for example, Daniel Jones, um, a lot of people uh, hated on him coming out of uh, college, and then they magnify his fumbles uh, as a rookie. And I feel like when they talk about people talk about Daniel Jones, oh, he fumbled, right? But nobody says anything about the offensive line and this and that and whatever. But then you got other guys that get protected by their narrative coming out of college that have so much hype. For example, Sam Darnold. Now, I think Sam is good, but I feel like any flaw he has can be blamed on Adam Gase and offensive line, this and that, and so on and so forth. So what are your thoughts on the fact that narratives, they ever be broken, and what do players have to do to break these narratives? Uh... Like as far as Daniel Jones breaking the narrative, what does he have to do to just have everyone on board saying, you know what, he is the guy. This guy is a top quarterback, and he can play at a high level and not just be some uh, Joe Schmo quarterback who fumbles. Meanwhile, Carson Wentz fumbles 17 times, but he gets slurped. Anyways, I'll hang up and listen. Your thoughts? Bobby, I'm going to let you take this one since you cut your teeth on Daniel Jones and you basically can tell the entire Daniel Jones story of him being criticized by the nation while you defending him like the back of your hand last year. Take it away. <laughs> well, it's it's called. I'm not going to get too crazy. It's just it's basically what it comes down to is, is take lock. It's like what was your guys? What was your take on this guy? And it's very hard. And I'm I'm not really throwing rocks because I I struggle with it too. You know, if you like a guy, you always like like always want like giving him those chances. Like I think I I would like to see Josh Rosen be the backup in Pittsburgh. You know what I'm saying? So if you like a guy, you always want to give him those extra chances. And if you dislike a guy, you're always looking to shoot him down. Like, I mean, for example, now part of it is me just having fun. But you think I'm giving Haskins a fair shot? Hell no, I'm not giving Haskins a fair shot. It's not going to can't stand the guy. And I thought he was a horrible prospect. I was so scared the Giants were going to draft him. With Jones, it's just people crapped all over him. So for them to apologize, like say they were wrong, it's hard to do. Like, And I'll give credit to Dan Orlovsky. He came out and said, like, I was wrong. And Dan Orvlosky is like, I, I enjoy it, Dan. The reason I got into it with Dan is because it's all Shucks take, which I think I think he would agree, like, that was just a really bad take. Um, So it's basically what it is. It's just take lock. It's people not wanting to move off what they originally thought of guys. So, And what do you need to change it? You need two, three years of consistently playing really good. I, I think that's what it would, it would be. Because, like, look at – like, people aren't changing their takes on Josh Allen after, you know, one good year and making the playoffs. And like so and there's still like and there's like Josh Allen has been a much better QB than Sam Donald so far. Even though Josh Allen's rookie year was I mean it was it was horrendous. It was so bad. Go look at his rookie year stats and you watch him play. It was very bad. But so far Josh Allen is has been a lot better than Sam Donald, but people will still just be like up oh, Sam Donald's better. Sam Donald's better. Now I like Sam Donald better as a prospect. 
but you you'd have to admit that Josh Allen has been better than him so far and probably projects a little bit better partly because of roster around him let's see the wins big dog <laughs> that's that's the thing you know at the end of the day that's what it really comes down to and also you're in New York like Bobby like the pressure that's on you when you're in New York even from like the national media how people talk about New York and how people talk about the Giants when they are bad even from a national media standpoint, it is different than talking about the Bills being bad. It's even different when you're talking about the Jets being bad. So this isn't even just a New York thing. This is a Giants thing. The Giants are just, they are a historic franchise. They are a very historic franchise. And when you're talking about a bad Giants team compared to a bad, you know, insert other team here, it's just much, much different. Um, so what did Eli Manning do to shut everybody up? And Eli Manning had these same questions around him, I'm sure. You know, oh, you look at this guy, this guy doesn't get the same criticism. You know, Philip Rivers, I mean, Philip Rivers, you know, Philip Rivers actually won a lot of football games early, early in his career. But Philip Rivers probably didn't get, no. Bobby, did Philip Rivers get the criticism for choking in the playoffs? He probably did. No. He no. didn't win. All right, so there you go. No, now he does. But, I mean, those first three years. And I think a lot of Giants fans would like. I probably would have swapped Philip Rivers for Daniel or Eli Manning because I mean he that those teams were good, man. They were so good. Yeah. But they like you said, man. They went fourteen and two, and they missed the playoffs, and they fired Schottenheimer. I mean, those teams were unbelievable. I actually interviewed an offensive lineman from one of those teams, Roman Oven, who did play uh, with the Giants. Actually, he played tackle in the late nineties, and he was like, dude, they had Philip Rivers. Like when Drew Brees was there, they had Philip Rivers, Michael Turner, Vincent Jackson. Like, all these guys were backups. You know what I'm saying? So, Philip Rivers had freaking LaDainian Tomlinson, Antonio Gates. Like, they had a squad around him. And like you said, they kind of choked it. I think he did get a little bit of credit because he did tear his ACL that one year and then played through it um, in the AFC Championship when they lost to the Patriots, I believe. Was it the Patriots? Or was it the Steelers? I think it was the, Ste- it was the Steelers, actually. So yeah, it's like you. But like you said, New York, there's a there's a lot more heat on you. Oh, I'm recording a podcast. Yes, yes. I'll catch you later. One of my neighbors just said hello. Um, yes. So basically, my whole point of bringing up Philip Rivers she is that what Eli. She she does, and it's actually it's actually dark right now. It was light when I started. It's really dark now. So. My whole point of just bringing that whole thing up is that Eli Manning won games and that shut everyone the hell up. So, Daniel Jones, if you go out there and do the same thing, you'll shut everyone the hell up. And I like that. I like that idea. Now, Bobby, we have two mailback questions left and we have two voicemails left. So, for those people that really like even numbers, you're you're having a hell of a time. At Life NYG, NYG Life, he asked the question, what NFC East team are you most excited to beat on the road to 16-0, Bobby Skinner? And how long do you give it before Haskins is the backup again? <laughs> so, obviously, we always beat the Redskins, so I'm not worried about them. I want to win another one in Jerry's world, man. It's been a while. Like, yes. Hasn't it been a while since? Well, I guess 2016 we did. But it's been a while. It always feels good to win in Jerry's world. Um, obviously, you want to win in Philly. But I think I just want to beat Philly. Uh, so yeah, I'd say Jerry's world and then Haskins. Um, I don't know. Uh, week nine. Uh, I do think Rivera is going to give Kyle Allen a shot and that's, that's a real take, not even a joke. The last time that I think we swept Dallas before 2016 was 2011. And that's when we won the Super Bowl. ironically enough. So there's nothing like beating Dallas 
at home. There's also nothing, I mean, I, you know, when you're in attendance, there's also like nothing beating Dallas when you're on the road and beating them in Jerry's World, which for a while there, we owned Jerry's World, which that was really fun. If we can go back to those days, that would be really great. But still, there's just there's nothing like beating J- Dallas in general, um, even though we have had trouble beating the Eagles recently as well. It would be, all right, let me ask you this, because we can't beat the Eagles in the link. We can't. And I don't, there, this isn't a well enough talked about storyline because I don't think you want to talk about it if you're a Giants fan, but we simply cannot beat the Eagles in the Lincoln in Philadelphia. When was the last time? How come we're not more frustrated about that? I mean, I think we are frustrated. It's just that we've been just sucking in general recently. So it's yeah. not like, oh, we're it's like if we were going 11 and five and we just couldn't win in the link, then it'd be more frustrating. It's like, let's just win in general. All right, so that was – all right, now we have two more voicemails. This is Peter from the Keys asking about Marcus Golden. Peter, my guy. Austin, hey, it's Peter from the Keys. My question for you is this. I understand that Marcus Golden could potentially be a giant in July, but why or why has no team picked him up? There's some conspiracy theories out there. What do you think? Give me a, give me a shout-out, man. Later. Go for it, Justin. Peter from the Keys, this is your shout-out. Hello, longtime follower, friend of the show. What are these conspiracy theories? This is the first that I'm hearing. I mean, I consider myself a residential expert on Marcus Golden, and I haven't heard any of these conspiracy theories on why he's not signed. What is age? Is that a conspiracy theory? Andrea, I don't know. I don't know she... what the deal is. I think Clowney not signing. I think Clowney screw things and then jordan jenkins taking that low ball deal yeah i think golden is stuck in the middle with that and then with the exclusive free agents tag the giants are just going to wait to see if they can grab him on that i don't know man it's kind of it is a kind of a bizarre situation but at this point i think he should probably just wait and see what happens in camp or well i guess he can't because of that tag i don't know man it it is a very curious case because i get like the acl and stuff like he there's no red flags besides that with Marcus Golden. Yeah, strange, 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 strange. Peter from the Keys, let us know. Let us know what conspiracy theories you're hearing. Uh, that maybe maybe that was just a poor choice of words, but I, I'm very I'm very interested now. Uh, so this Don't is our you final dare mailbag. Our listeners of having poor choices of the words. You have a poor choice of ears. I well, I have a poor choice of words often anyway. So I mean, believe me, believe me. Um, this is our final. Mailback question on Twitter from Giant Roddy Piper at Giant Roddy. This is probably my favorite question. If I can ever visit MetLife, I'm a Giants fan from Scotland. What should my itinerary consist of to make the most of it and get and to get the real experience? Keep the content coming, lads. Bobby Skinner, I, I'll throw this question to you first. This is you. This is all you. Well, I, I kind of wanted to, if you had any thoughts to begin with, even though you kind of did give your Bronx story and just being lost in New York City. I mean, um, I here, I'll ask time. you this. I'll, I'll ask you this. How was Jersey City? Jersey City? Well, we were literally just wasting time until we went to the airport. So we went, we just walked through. It actually snowed a tiny bit. I actually have a video of my brother peeing in the bushes and someone getting ready to walk around the corner there. And then we took our album cover photo. And yeah, I mean, Jersey City, like, is there stuff you're supposed to do there besides going to like that one hall? And here's how I'm going to preface it. 
Jersey City and Hoboken are like two places I would go if you like, okay, I don't want to go to the city. I want to get like the Jersey experience because I'll tell you what, unfortunately, if you're going to get a hotel that's like right by East Rutherford, you could go into like Rutherford, the actual city and the actual town, and there's some like nice Italian restaurants there and whatnot. But if you want like a close to New York City experience without actually going into the city, then I would go to Jersey City and Hoboken and just check those places out. There's some nice bars. John's Pizzeria, which is like the biggest pizzeria, I think, like in the United States or in the world. Uh, I would I would hear the advertisement on Q1043 Rock Radio a couple years ago, FM Radio, and John's Pizzeria would always be the advertisement. But So that's in Manhattan, but there's also a John's Pizzeria location in Jersey City that I really recommend checking out. Uh, walking by the water is just awesome. You get to see the Freedom Tower. Uh, there's like a little bit of a, a memorial for 9-11 that's right by the water. Um, there's some and then French Hoboken, guy a... with a gun going through his back. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you could take a picture with that. Bobby Skinner will send you his picture that he took. Did you, didn't you take a picture no, next to that? It, oh, I thought you did. We didn't do it. Um, I thought, well, I thought we you were posed. also you there. Just, you just on, did a simple pose. We were doing, no, we didn't, I didn't do it. We, we were there at, on a Monday morning on, in December between like 11 and like three, you know what I'm saying? Oh, so almost we dead. Yeah, it was weird. We did do one of my favorite things to do is just to yell and to see people's <laughs> reaction. We did that. I mean, th- we do that down here in Florida, though, too. So I do miss it. as much as like when we left, we were like, screw this place. Never coming back here. It was like a, a good memories of a trip. Yeah, but also on game day and on game day itself, I actually suggest um, reaching out. I know the Scarf Soldiers, um, they, they're on Instagram. The Scarf Soldiers, they have like this big ambulance and they tailgate and they have a really good time. You can actually pay a little bit of money to join their tailgate and you just have a good time with a lot of other Giants fans. Maybe even join some Facebook groups because a lot of the Facebook groups, they go and they'll they'll tailgate together. So I would check that out. If you're going and you want to tailgate with some other people, um, you just want to have a good time. And if you're not going to be tailgating actually like yourself, uh, hit up some Facebook groups or even just hit up me. Uh, I know the, uh, the Scarf Soldiers for a fact, they have their own thing going on. So there's a lot of people that they're, they sell out tickets that you can go and you can tailgate with them. Have a good time. So there you go. That's that's my answer. Jersey City, Hoboken, Facebook groups, scarf scarf soldiers. Sounds good. All right, we have one more voicemail, and this is an interesting one. Keenan from Woodbridge, which I already revealed where I lived, um, which is Clark. Clark is actually right by Woodbridge, so uh, maybe Keenan hit me up. We can uh, we can meet up. I don't know. Hey guys, Keenan from Woodbridge. Big fan of the podcast. Um, I'm just curious. My question is kind of more of a concern. Uh, how heavy implications of the potential empty stadium games in 2020 might play out on the 20, 2021 salary cap. That is, you know, the cap potentially being significantly smaller due to revenue in 2020. And I want that we may benefit from not having loads of money tied up in a single player like a quarterback. But on the other side, how do you think that affects maybe potential premature cuts, guys like Zeitler or Shepard? for example, or even maybe not paying Barkley as a result of that. Just curious, guys, what your guys' take is on that. Big fan. Thanks a lot. Now, none of this is confirmed. None of this is confirmed. Um, Where there was a report by an uh, an NFL executive told Pro Football Network's uh, Tony Pauline that if the 2020 season is actually canceled, that players will not be paid by their teams. The organizations would try to give some sort of compensation, um, 
and that, and this is as of like April 20th and you know take that take that report with the grain of salt I'm pretty damn sure you know we're so far out from the from the start of like the season that it is the plan right now for games to happen regardless of if there's fans there regardless if there's not fans there that's my impression of the of the macro I haven't been following this like so in depth because I'm just I'm just having this blind ignorance that the season is going to happen and that, hey, 80,000 fans are just going to show up in September. I have that blind ignorance right now. Um, but also, I will say this is this is definitively, and this is from CNBC, where they reported that you know the NFL has already started to reduce salaries for its uh, league employees. So they already have started to do that, I guess, for the you know people that are working in the New York offices and whoever works in the offices around the country. They've already started to do that for the league employees, but... Uh, I think there was also a part of this question that kind of was analyzing, like, would this benefit the Giants in any way in terms of future cuts? Bobby, I don't think this would have any kind of implications of the Giants would do anything differently if there weren't a season like cutting Zeitler. If if there's not a season or regardless of if there's a season or not, I think Nate Solder's gone in 2021. And I think a guy like Zeitler, Barkley, all those guys are kind of like here to here to stay. It would just suck that you just wouldn't have a season. <laughs> yeah, I don't like to think about that. Could you imagine us trying to do podcasts for the next year with no season? We'd probably have to go do one a week. We okay. would. We would just rewatch. We would just rewatch. Uh, I can't watch old games, dude. I really. I'm uh, not I, I love it. watching old games. I can't stand it, honestly. Sucks to be you, because I think we would have to do it. <laughs> I mean, what are we gonna do? Like, I, what do we do if there's no games? Just gonna do voicemails every friggin' week. Leave a leave a five star rating in the Apple Podcast app and tell us what to do if there's uh, what to do as a Talking Giants podcast. Think if about there's it. No football games. Maybe we'll just do all draft all year. We will just break down <laughs> prospects every single week, and we will have we'll just, we literally will break down every single prospect. And oh, in man, fact, you know what? Be something. You know what? Here's a promise: if there is no season starting with week one, we will break down eight players a week. For the upcoming draft. How about oh that? my god, you're kill you're killing me. You're uh, killing eight me. Eight a week isn't bad. We were doing twenty four <sighs> we were doing like twenty four a week during the draft process, so just a third of that <sighs> work. And there'll be no games to analyze, so we'll be good. All right, you got me sold. <laughs> it's, it's don't worry about it though. It's gonna be a season. Or it's gonna be a season, so there's nothing yes. to worry about. Regardless of whether I'll be happy and I'll be going or or not. It, there, it will happen. There's going to be a friggin' season. We actually have a lot to benefit from them not being in the stadium because a lot of what we do is good for people who aren't at the game. Correct, correct. But that's that's the smart business approach to what we do. Oh, the no. The selfish, smart... egotistical mind is, I want to go. No, me too. I want there to be fans there as well. Yeah. Um, I'm still holding out hope that somehow we're allowed to go to training camp. Wow. <laughs> you like that, wow. Johnny? This virus oh. is just going to disappear. Like, like, uh, no, I'm not going to make that comment. Nope, take that out. Say it. Like Trump said, the heat's just going to evaporate it. Honestly, spot the lie. The heat has not come. Let the heat just evaporate it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, as the weather has, hey, cor- correlation causation, the weather has slightly gotten warmer these last few weeks. Hospitalizations have been going down, Bobby. Exactly. Exactamente. Exactamente. Correlation causation. Correlation you didn't pay Ruben's voicemail. Oh, sugar and spice. Oh man, I didn't add it. I didn't add it to the soundboard. Oh, I'm so terrible. Here, I'll play it. Let from me my see. Phone. Can I? 
Yeah, play it from your phone. It's really good audio quality. We got a ton of voicemails. Thank you so much, everybody. This is this is wonderful. I can't believe if you were to. Oh my gosh, Ruben, just know. I know that would have been bad. Hey, got Zonas Hegantis. Just know who has your back. Hola, chicos. How are you guys? It's Ruben from Zona Gigantes in Spain, Barcelona. How are you, Bobby? First of all, thank you for the magnets and for the stickers. They are wonderful. Big fan of the program. You know that. All the support from Spain. Next question, guys. Um, as we can see, we have a lot of players in the secondary. We have a lot of cornerbacks, uh, people in the slot, also safeties. Um, from all the guys, from all the young people in the secondary, Sam Bill, uh, Baker, uh, Darnay Holmes, all these players, um, also Grand Halley, um, from all these players, what is the player you think is not going to do the roster of 53? Because uh, I don't think all the players we select in the draft, they're going to they gonna survive to the training camp. I just want to know your opinion and man big hug from Barcelona from Spain from all the team of Tona Gigantes and go Giants see you guys uh, muchas gracias mi, mis amigos para España alright so anyways we love those guys Justin does it because he's kind of a scumbag anyways bad guy what DBs do you see not making the team so let's go let's just say let's just say five corners and four safeties are held so we got as a corner you got Bradbury DeAndre Baker, Darnay Holmes. Let's call Julian. Let's, we'll call Julian Love a safety for the so that'll make an extra spot. So you have Darnay Holmes, DeAndre Baker, um, James Bradbury, Corey Ballantyne. I think would be a lock out of those guys, right? Yes. And then Sam Beal. Then a safety. You got Peppers, McKinney, Love, Chandler, McLaurin. Is McLaurin, Haley? Do they move Haley to uh, safety? They might. They might have to. Did we did we draft another DB? Chris Williamson from Chris Minnesota. Williamson. I think so Grant Haley. I think he's definitely going to be gone. Or Grant Haley's going to be gone. I think Grant Haley's gone. That would make the most sense. I mean, we know what he is at this point, and I think Chris Williamson could probably do a better job with him playing safety, and he'd be doing it off the rip, and he's bigger, anyways. So, yeah, I think Grant Haley's done. And if they do move Julian Love to, like, a strict corner and they want to have four true safeties, then who are you kicking out, Beal or Ballantyne? Beal. I I have – I don't want to say a lot of hope. I have hope for Ballantyne. So, yeah, I, th- I think it would be Beal. One, the injuries. He didn't really impress much when he played. So, yeah, I, w- I would say Beal. So, we're on, I guess we're on the same page with that. Yep. Do we have anything else? That is it. We is, did it. That is it. How long did this pod go? We're 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 a little over an hour and twenty right now, but the powers of editing will bring it down a little bit. And it's, you know, it's voicemail mailbag, so you got our our diehards listening anyway. So, all right, we appreciate you guys. Thanks for having some patience. Uh, Friday's episode, Danny King and myself, and Anthony Tomano and Justin. So we'll have a little fun with that. Uh, we're working on some ideas. I'm thinking maybe about. For me and Danny going through the NFC East draft classes, maybe I don't know. Uh, Anthony Tomano and Danny and Justin, I don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to try and keep them to keep the time down a little bit. But you know what? We might just let them fling it. 
I don't know. We'll see. No, we'll time. we'll we'll try to we'll try to keep the time down because that was absurd. We had too much fun <laughs> the last time Anthony and I just talking about we were knee deep in analytics and it was a lot of fun. We'll we'll keep it down this time. We promise. <laughs> All right. All right. Sounds good. We'll see you guys on Friday. Until then, let's go big blue.